Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. I'm here in beautiful Tobago, and if you're listening, you got to watch the video as well because I got the beautiful uh, background behind me. This is Trinidad and Tobago in the South Caribbean, and we're staying in this resort, and it's a little bit of poor internet, so apologies if there's a little bit of choppiness, but uh, we'll go with it because life as a digital nomad means you're never going to have perfect internet. Uh, <laughs> and today's episode, we actually have Sarah T uh, Tyler, and she actually has a great website where she teaches uh, people how, uh, sorry, she teaches people English, Spanish, and uh, also like how to prepare for tests, uh, like English language tests, etc. So it's a great business and it's a great way that digital nomads can make money and travel the world. She's actually been traveling for the last seven years. She's from Philadelphia in the US and uh, she's been traveling uh, quite a lot in Central America. And now she's actually in Yucatan in Mexico. Uh, so Sarah, uh, maybe you can share a little bit about your background and what got you so interested in travel. Of course, thank you. Thank you so much, Ricky. Uh, well, before I moved abroad, I was working in the healthcare field actually. I was pre-nursing and I had a really good job at the hospital. Um, I was recruiting patients, Spanish-speaking patients, for government research studies. And I really liked it. I really liked the patients, but I didn't like the ho hospital atmosphere. I didn't like working with a whole department of women and, you know, all the gossip and just the, the politics of that. And I started volunteering teaching through a local church. And I loved it, even though I didn't get paid any money. So I said, something's wrong here. You know, I like my free my paid job I need to switch this up um, and I was also working two jobs at the time I was working full-time and part-time I couldn't afford my own apartment you know the cost of living was really high in Philadelphia it was a mess I was going to school full-time my grades were dropping so I, I said you know something has to change and I decided to go to Mexico to go to Guadalajara and get a TEFL diploma so I saved up my money I got my tax return uh, and I moved to Guadalajara for five weeks and I studied the, the four-week course and then I immediately got hired in Mexico City so I ended up going to Mexico City and I started working I worked part-time I was able to afford my own apartment I was able to study my grades improved uh, I had time to travel I mean we went to Acapulco, Puerto Vallarta, Puebla, Veracruz and I just had a better quality of life, if you know what I mean. I was working, you know, part-time, in-company, traveling to the companies, but I wasn't so burnt out as I was in the U.S. And that's kind of how it got started. Sounds like a great journey, you know, uh, um, uh, traveling around Central America and also having that freedom that uh, you can still teach and uh, move, uh, move to a new city, a new country, and uh, nothing gets interrupted. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I have a little background as an ESL teacher, too. Uh, in, after university, I was not sure what to do with my life. So I actually left uh, Canada, where I'm from, and I moved to Japan, and I taught ESL there. I loved it. I mean, it was such a great experience teaching. Right. And then I taught a, a few places in Asia. And I even tried to teach when I was over in Sydney, Australia, just tutoring, uh, not like a, from a, with a school. And I did it back in Vancouver, too. Um, in a couple of different ESL schools back in Vancouver, BC, Canada. And I, I definitely am fond of it, I mean, in terms of the impact you can make on uh, on uh, the students. I haven't done it as much online, so I'm really interested in what you're doing. Uh, obviously, it gives you the freedom and flexibility. Uh, tell us about um, the website that you work with and for in terms of getting uh, students and um, teaching through them. 
Oh, sure. Well, first, let me tell you how I got onto online. Because oh, yeah, when I came you. to Mexico, I was doing in-person classes. Um, and I ended up moving to Veracruz, Mexico. And I was working in a bilingual school. Um, and it was a mess. I mean, they never paid you on time. They would pay you half your pay. And then you get half your pay a couple days later. And they treated you really horrible. And just one day I got this recruitment email from the school that I got my TEFL diploma, like, hey, you can teach English online for $10 an hour. And at the time I was only making half of that working in a school. So I was like, well, you know, let me try it. And I got online and I thought that was like so much money at the time. I was blown away. I was like, wow, I can get, I can make $10 an hour here in my bathing suit. And, you know, I don't have to leave the house. I don't have to pay for transportation. And I started working with a, one of the large Asian companies, um, mm. and it was a great starter company. They had great training and everything like that. And I worked with them for about a year and a half. Um, once I did start working with them is when I moved to El Salvador, because I was like, hey, you know, I can live wherever I want, so, you know, I might as well go somewhere where the cost of living is very low. Um, and then I kind of outgrew it. Honestly, I did outgrow it. It was very low paying. That there were there wasn't the opportunity for raises. During the time I was working with them, I finished my bachelor's degree and I went on to take my um, to do a master's degree. So I said, you know, I don't want to make ten dollars an hour with these two degrees that I didn't have when I started here, right? So uh, just by luck, I was looking on Craigslist and I found this ad for Take Lessons, which is an American-based platform. You don't work for them. You join their platform, you make your profile, and they connect teachers with students. But you're an independent contractor. And honestly, I um, I signed up for English primarily, and I was like, you know, I can teach Spanish too. Teaching one language is no different from teaching another language. And right away, I just started getting tons of students, tons of Spanish students. And I was getting like 80% Spanish students. And I said, wow, I'm really onto something here. Um, and I, I was working up to 45 hours a week with them, making a lot of money, doing very well. Hi. Oh, she's adorable. Um, and that I was pregnant at the time. So I was trying to work as much as possible. Um, and then I had my baby, and I was able to take off a little bit of time. And now I've been back with them part-time since I had the baby but actually just two days ago I opened up my mornings again so I'm trying to get back into not quite full full-time but more hours and get back into the swing of things so uh, what do you find is the greatest benefit of working um, I, I know you didn't say for uh, but with uh, uh, take lessons as opposed to doing it a hundred percent solo uh, tell us a little bit about the advantages and the disadvantages uh, to the way you told I think the advantages are that you have to put a lot of money into marketing. If you're going out at it on your own, which everybody tries to do, everybody tries to do it on your own, you're going to spend you know, half your life on Facebook, Google Hangouts, whatever, trying to market yourself. If you don't have that money to spend on marketing, you're not going to find students. And the students that you tend to find are like, hey, you know, can you teach me for free? Or I'm from this country and we don't make a lot of money, so, you know, I can only pay $5 an hour. It's not a livable wage. So the benefit with working with Take Lessons is that I'm working with students from the U.S. 
or I'm working with students that have recently immigrated or will immigrate and they're paying for a quality product. They're paying for teachers that have master's degrees, that have teaching licenses, that have experience in the field. And I, honestly, I get a lot of students that tell me, hey, you know, I was taking online lessons with this teacher and he or she had no idea what they were doing. There was no, no plan for the class. So they really want someone who, who's going to put time and effort into planning each and every class for them. Um, I don't really see a downside with working for them. Uh, I've interviewed with a lot of other companies. I've interviewed with a lot of Asian-based companies. and I don't like their practices. I don't like the pay. I don't like the way that they treat teachers. I still do work with the original company that I started out with, but I do not teach for them anymore. I make their lesson materials. So it, it's a lot less stressful. It's, it's better paid, obviously. Um, and it's like a side job that I don't have to be so live and on camera all the time, you know? But um, definitely you see a big difference culturally in an American company and the way that they value the teachers and they value your qualifications versus an Asian company, not to generalize, but they tend to value more your, your looks and your happiness and energy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean because I actually taught English in Asia and uh, I totally can relate to what you're saying there. And uh, I worked for one school, a little bit of a bad experience. I worked for one school in Tokyo. Uh, first, I worked with Nova, which is a well-known company, then Berlitz. Uh, but I worked with one private school owned by a couple of Canadians. And I was like, oh, okay, this would be great working for fellow right. Canadians. But what ended up happening is they didn't pay the teachers for like a few weeks and all of it already was a month. And then um, there was a long weekend and we all uh, went back after a long weekend. And all of a sudden there was a sign on the door saying, sorry, we had to close down the school. Oh, no. Canada, we, we are not able to pay any of the teachers or give back the money. Uh, and then there was a big lawsuit and all against them and all the teachers banded together, all the students. And eventually uh, we never got our money, by the way. I ended up working with them a whole month and I lost probably about two to three thousand US on that contract so you know um, you kind of get you know you kind of go with that's why I that's why yeah. I have several different projects because that's my fear always with online companies is that one day they'll up and disappear and I've heard of it happening so that's why I always have two to three different jobs that I'm working on just in case yes don't put all your bag, uh, eggs in one basket as the saying goes exactly exactly so Sarah, uh, tell us about the students you're teaching, like what ages, what proficiency, uh, tell us about the type of students uh, that you're typically teaching. Uh, well, I have different types of students. Um, my Spanish students, age, they range from 10 years old. I choose to teach 10 and up. I prefer not to teach children younger than 10, only because they're not really very good with the computer. So for online classes, I prefer to teach 10 and up where they know how to use the computer, go to different applications. Um, and I get quite a bit of students after school lessons, students that aren't doing well in Spanish. Um, and then I get mostly professionals who live in California or Texas or Florida or an area where there's a lot of you know, Spanish speakers and they see the value in learning a second language for professional purposes. So I have a lot of people in the real estate market, doctors, nurses, Spanish for healthcare, educators who are teaching kids that come and they, they don't speak a word of English 
And honestly, those are the students that stick and those are the students that really, they go into work and, from day one and they start to use their Spanish and they're like, wow, you know, it really makes a difference. All I said was, hola, como estas? But the person's eyes lit up and they see that instant connection and it, it motivates them. And then with my English students, because it, this company is based in America, they're primarily very, very high-ranking professionals, executives in the business world. I have students that work for Microsoft, eBay, Google, um, that have immigrated to the U.S., but they hear things in meetings, idioms and phrasal verbs that they're not really sure what they mean. So they look for very advanced classes and very a lot of help with that advanced grammar, especially in the business context. So their their classes are much more, you know, specialized for their needs. So you've been doing this for the last seven years or so, teaching English online and offline as not well. Not online. Not online. Online, I've been doing it for three and a half years. Yes, exactly. So teaching English and then both offline and online. Um, what uh, what advice or tips would you give to someone who's thinking about getting into ESL teaching, both online and off? I mean, um, they're obviously both different, yet they share the similarity of uh, being a teacher to uh, speakers of other languages. So what tips or advice would you give to someone who's just starting out and they have no idea where to go? I would tell them to take some type of training course. Uh, when I was in El Salvador, I was fortunate enough where I was able to volunteer a lot of my time training teachers because a lot of the teachers there were really English students that somebody approached and they would say, hey, do you want to be an English teacher? And they had no formal training and therefore they didn't know what they were doing. But you need the money, so obviously they're going to take the job. So I, I would do these teacher training seminars and not with the idea that they're going to learn everything in one eight-hour day, but that they're going to have some kind of idea about learning theory, about how students learn, about how to make activities dynamic, and getting getting students to talk in the target language. Um, so I would say definitely, it doesn't have to be a four-year degree. You're going to obviously get different pay rates based on your qualifications, but at least please try to take some type of certification course so that you understand learning and teaching strategies. So what do you find the most difficult? I mean, um, as a teacher, uh, what are your struggles in terms of teaching? Is it the students? Is it the technology? Uh, is it something else? <laughs> I would say it's the technology. I mean, it's hard to believe, but there are people that, that don't know how to use Skype, that, you know, can't figure out how to turn on their microphone. There are people like that that don't feel comfortable. I use an online whiteboard in my classes. And, and it's fine. I tell them if you if you don't feel comfortable getting on the whiteboard, I can share my screen and you can see what I want you to see, and that's fine. But it's always surprising to me when I have students that need help with, the most basic, basic things on the computer. Yeah, this, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. You might have all the skills of a teacher, but at the end of the day, it's the technology, the internet, uh, and uh, everyone has a different degree of uh, comfort, um, comfort level with technology. And it's hard to help them. Like I tell, you know, sometimes I have group classes and I'm like, I, I want to help you, but I can't hear or see you. So I don't know how to, <laughs> you know, I can't. You know, I'll type to them some ideas, some 
troubleshooting for the common things that happen, but if I'm not there with them, there's very little that you can do. So in the midst of your teaching, uh, how much actual sightseeing are you able to do? Because uh, as a digital nomad, that's the goal, is not just to work, 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 but just sightsee. And you know, finding that happy balance, I know I struggle with that, especially, you know, when I'm here in like, for example, Tobago, and I'm here with the beautiful beaches, it's very hard to actually get work done. Um, and then I go into other frame of minds and focuses when I'm just work, 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 work. So tell us about how uh, you manage that balance yourself, the work and travel and sightseeing balance. Well, I I'm lucky. I choose my own schedule. So I work Monday through Thursday. I take a three-day weekend every week. Um, actually, last week, I was able to bring my daughter to Cancun for the first time. So she's the luckiest almost eight-month-old in the world. You know, and she got to have virgin pina coladas at the pool bar. And, you know, we drove around in go-karts and went into the ocean. And uh, I find that in this location where I'm at right now, a lot of things are very close. I'm close to Mexico City. I'm close to Florida, where my brother lives. I'm a couple hours bus ride from Cancun. I'm close to all the islands. So I find that when I go on a trip or when I travel, I don't have to take off too much work because I already have a three-day weekend. And it's easy because I'm self-employed. I just approach my students and I say, hey, do you mind switching up class this week? if I have to. Most of the times I'll choose an Airbnb and I will work from the Airbnb while I'm on the road so that I don't have to give up the classes. Yeah, you know, uh, definitely uh, I, I do the same thing. I don't do teaching anymore, but I do coaching. And uh, same with me, like I definitely want to keep working. Uh, so as long as I have good internet, which is always the, tri always the trickiest thing when we're traveling. That's the hardest part. <laughs> you never know. Like uh, I had no idea I had this interview schedule with you. And here I am in the middle of Tobago. I had no idea whether I have good internet or not. So luckily, it's been holding up, um, <laughs> you know. And how, how is it with you? Like do you find that too? Like sometimes you're at a new place and you actually check oh, the internet yeah. before you arrive or how do you deal with that because I think that's a struggle that pretty much every digital nomad faces well I've been pretty lucky with the Airbnbs but I did have a bad experience um, about two months ago we were in Nicaragua and the owner of the the place told me that there were two internets one was 10 megas and one was six megas which were the you know the maximum in the city that we were in but when I speed tested it I was consistently getting less than one mega on each of them. So it was very problematic and I ended up leaving after one week because I couldn't I couldn't work like that. Yeah, exactly. Like that. But that was the only time that that happened to me with every other experience. I mean, I've worked in Antigua, Guatemala. Uh, when I visit my brother in Florida, obviously it's fine in the U.S., in Philadelphia. Um, in Honduras, in Belize, and that was the only time I really had an issue. Well, you know, uh, you're the exception because I've had issue after issue. Maybe just where we're traveling because we're, we're obviously an island, and island internet is usually not good. Also, the, I find like the third world internet isn't as good. I was in South Africa, not as good. Uh, Guyana, not as good. French Guyana, not as good. Suriname, not as good. You'll see, so well, what, I, I've done about 100. What I do, of, though, what I do though, is I'll actually... Before I book an Airbnb, I'll ask them for a speed test usually. And I'll send them the link and I'll ask them to speed test it. Or if I book like a, an accommodation for a month, I will ask for a speed test before I even book it. And that is very helpful. 
So what do you use for your speed test? What is the website? Uh, I believe it's speedtest.net. So speedtest.net, we'll have a link below. So if you are a digital nomad struggling with good internet, uh, you can use yeah. that website. And there are a whole bunch of different ones. I mean, uh, there's apps about it and different, just uh, Google speed test, and you'll be able to find it. Uh, so Sarah, uh, you shared a great, uh, great wealth of info. What is next for you? I mean, now you're based in Yucatan, Mexico. Uh, where do you see yourself in the next few months, next few years? Going to stay in Mexico? We have some, some exciting plans coming up, actually. Um, on Monday, I'll be moving into a house, which I'm going to be renting out as an Airbnb. So this will kind of be our, our base for a while. And as we're making that passive income, I'm planning to travel with my daughter. So I'm looking more towards making, and I have a couple of different projects that are in the works, but making that passive income and not working actively so much and being able to travel with her and enjoy different things. Hopefully go to some of those places where the internet's not so great and not have to work. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Uh, so what is the uh, passive income streams you're gonna generate? I mean, obviously you're teaching, which is much more active. What are we thinking in terms of the passive uh, income generation? Well, we're gonna be um, doing an Airbnb here in Progresso and I'm thinking about doing some types of immersion experiences and travel where people can come here but not only to stay in the Airbnb but to learn Spanish and to inter interact with the local community so making it more of a cultural immersion language experience as, as opposed to just a place to stay so yeah, hooking I mean, up with local businesses, with yeah. local tour tour groups. There's a local Spanish school two blocks away. Things like that I'm looking into branching into. But, of course, still teaching online. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, uh, you know, when you're learning a your language, that seems to be the best way to learn it by being actually in the culture. Like, for example, we're in Brazil, and the best way to learn Portuguese was being in Brazil. And we're heading of to course. Colombia next week. And uh, my Spanish sucks. <laughs> I'm actually, I am uh, actually getting uh, tutored by a guy in uh -huh. Peru. And he's teaching me Spanish now, but uh, I definitely need to improve it. And I think the best way will be when I'm in uh, Colombia and Peru and Ecuador. Et Where in Colombia are you going? Uh, so we're actually flying into Bogota. Then we'll be obviously in Medellin, okay. Medellin which is a famous uh, digital nomad hotspot, then Cartagena, and yep. traveling around the country. If you get a chance, go to Santa Marta, and especially Parque Tirona, where it's a, it's a national park, but you have to... You can't just drive up to the beach. You have to hike or take a horse ride to the beach. So it's one of those beautiful virgin beaches and absolutely gorgeous. Great tips there, Sarah. Uh, so if people wanted to find out more about your teaching uh, lessons, uh, for example, if they're a non-native English speaker or maybe non-native um, Spanish speaker and they wanted to hire you for both or either English or Spanish or both or even uh, right. some of your uh, test prep, how can they do that? Through my website is the best way. It's teachersarahtyler.com. That would be the best way to contact. They can contact me directly through there. Yep. There's a contact form, and it'll come right to my email. That's probably the easiest way. Awesome. So it's uh, uh, teachersarahtyler.com. TeacherSarahTyler.com, yes. Awesome. Uh, you know, uh, you've uh, provided a great wealth of insight. Uh, wish you well over there in uh, Yucatan and with your new project as well. And uh, happy travels. I'm sure our paths will cross somewhere on this beautiful world. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully I'm somewhere like that soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you so much.
You're welcome. And you know, th this place is definitely amazing. And uh, if you ever come to Trinidad and Tobago, I highly recommend coming over here. I'll give a shout out to the resort as well. It's called Angel Resort. And you'll see they actually have a swimming pool here. And uh, uh, I'm actually going to do a little tour while I'm uh, on this video. And by the way, we do uh, these interviews on uh, both iTunes and YouTube. If you're just listening to this, we actually have the YouTube version. Uh, you can watch and kind of see what we're talking about because sometimes uh, if you're just listening, you'll be like, what the heck are they talking about swimming pool? <laughs> uh. Ricky, I think I've lost you as you started walking. I think the internet's gone out on your side. Ricky, I can't hear you anymore, so I guess that's going to be the end of the talk. But thank you so much. I enjoyed speaking with you. Looks like I have a new place on my bucket list. And um, I hope to talk to you again. Have a great one. Bye.